We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with the Basics. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark, pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. My partner, Pastor Jolly John Lekumski, he's running late again, but that's probably for the good. Uh, even when it's just the two of us, it gets a little crowded in the janitor's closet that they let us use at the studios here in KFUO. And we do have a special guest with us today as well. So please tell our listeners who you are. Well, hello. This is this is Seymour. I am the happy, happy elf, and I'm just so happy, 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 happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, tell us, uh, what's the true meaning of Christmas for you, Mr. Elf? Why, it's being happy, of course. Isn't that what the Christmas story is all about? Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> After all, you have that happy baby in the manger, the happy angels in the sky, the happy shepherds. <laughs> well, true, there is a lot of joy in the Christmas story, but there was also a lot of struggle and even some sadness. Uh, remember, Mary and Joseph had to make a three-day journey from their town of Nazareth to Bethlehem? That trip had been made in the middle of winter and on foot, uphill, all the way. Oh, yes, just just like Mama and Papa Elf did when they used to walk to school. <laughs> well, then Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem. They couldn't even find a place to stay. I don't know that you could really say that they were happy about that. Oh, but, but what about the happy, happy angels and the happy shepherds? Oh, the angels did have a message of joy. But the shepherds who heard that message weren't happy at all, at least at first. They were filled with fear, as indeed I think anyone would be who confronted such a vision in the middle of the night. And of course, we could go on about what happened after Christmas, the murderous King Herod, and so forth. Are you saying no one was happy? Well, I'm saying that happy probably isn't the best word. Maybe joyful is better. You see, the babe born in the manger came to save people from their sins. Now, sinful people are not always happy. Sometimes they feel guilty, sometimes sad, sometimes worried, sometimes frightened, sometimes doubting. In all these feelings, we can still celebrate Christmas. For Jesus came to earth so that people with these feelings would know that God still loves them. I, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, I'm not quite as happy as I used to be, or as I sound. The truth is, since big business took over Santa's operation, it's meant long hours and little pay for ourselves, and, and those curly-toed shoes we have to wear. Oh, oh, they may look cute, but they're murder on the feet. And you try wearing a hat with bills all day. After a while, the pleasant jingle just makes makes for one terrific headache. Then again, there's the, the constant... Oh, par pardon me. Pardon me, Seymour, the elf. Uh, I don't mean interrupt. I know you said you don't have to be happy at Christmas, but 
I don't know that whining is helpful either. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just at the workshop. It's always happy, happy, happy. There are all these signs saying smile. Santa loves you. We seldom, seldom get a chance to express our true feelings. And that's what I'm talking about. True feelings. At Christmas time, we don't have to have any particular feelings. Some may be happy, some sad, but all, but, but in all, our feelings. Christmas means that we have joy. Joy is knowing that God is not only there when we've got it all together, but that he especially is there with forgiveness when we struggle. Well, I, I thank you for setting me straight on that. Let me just wish you a Merry Christmas, then. Or, or maybe I should say have a joyful Christmas. Yes, Seymour, a joyful Christmas to you, too. Oh, hey, Matt, Matt. Oh, go. Oh, darn it. I missed him again. Shoot. Oh, I know. Yeah, Seymour the, the elf. I'm, you just missed him. He's just on his way out of the closet when you came in. <laughs> you know, you is it interesting? Closet, you say? <laughs> that's right. No, let's not even go there. No, okay. let's not even go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, darn it. Because I really wanted to meet Seymour. I wanted to meet him in the worst way. Because, you know, I missed the reindeer, although from the way you talked about it, maybe I was just as glad that I wasn't here when the reindeer was yeah. doing his thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. So. Seymour was a pretty pleasant guest on the show compared to uh, the, the reindeer last week. And if our yeah. listeners yeah. haven't heard from the reindeer, it's worth uh, listening to the, yep. <laughs> the, the to podcast on KFUO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so anyway, Matt, uh, it is good to be here on the uh, – this is our, our our this is our penultimate Christmas show. Uh, yes. Next week we will have our Christmas special, and again, again, don't let me forget because Grandpa John wants to come and tell you the story of how it is we got lights on Christmas on oh the Christmas boy. trees. Looking forward that's actually to it. A Lutheran, that's a Lutheran tradition, and I think we should be proud of that. Very nice, um, very nice. And you know, I was just going to say too, Seymour, you know, quirky Seymour that we just yeah. had on. I think he makes some good points, you know, and I, I, I think we were able to make some good points together, Seymour and I. And uh, I, I do like the idea that, boy, um, we have all sorts of different emotions around Christmas time, and maybe sometimes you, know, you and I see that a lot as pastors, right? I think um, bittersweet well, I think, time of year for a lot of folks, I, I th- especially. I think, I think we feel, feel it as pastors. Oh, yeah. No yeah. doubt about it. No doubt. It's not just other people. It's us too, right? And I especially think of someone who's um, you know, lost a loved one to death uh, over the past year, and this is, might be the first Christmas without them, for instance. It's, it's not always happy, 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 like Seymour said, but... Uh, but it can still be joyful uh, because we know the child in the manger uh, came to be the Savior, and in Him we have life everlasting uh, for us and for those who are those for those who have died in Christ too. And and you know every pastor will tell you that I don't know why it is. I guess it's just because we're already pretty sensitive because of the the. <clears throat> Uh, things we need to accomplish in terms of bringing God's Word to people at the festivals, but it always seems around the church festivals there is there is a funeral. I know my dear Pastor Bittner here, he just called me that uh, one of our members who is 103 years old, Mabel Nola, she just passed away. And just a few weeks ago, we had another member, Ruth Reichert, who passed away. Uh, but but on the other hand, yeah, what a, what a great time. Not that I want to do it. <laughs> God, if you're listening, yeah. I'm not saying I want to do it this Christmas, 
But it is it is a good time to go to heaven because it is a time when we know about our Savior and eternal life. Uh, that's the whole message of Christmas is about. Uh, and in fact, sure. I hear I hear you wanted to do an Old Testament passage that has to bear on all of these issues. Yeah, thanks, John. So the Old Testament book of Isaiah, that's sort of the uh, the go-to book for Advent, it seems, uh, at least this year as we work our way through the lectionary. And, um, you know, Isaiah is just chock full of good stuff about not only Jesus' birth, but Jesus' his life, his death, resurrection even, you know, it covers all those things in various ways. In fact, you know, Luther even called it, I think he called it the fifth gospel, right, John? Mm, uh, this yeah. idea that there's so much gospel, so much Jesus, so much about that coming Messiah in uh, Isaiah that, wow, it's it's like a fifth gospel in, in addition to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, so, uh, boy, very appropriate to look at Isaiah in Advent. So, so where, where do you want, because we could go anywhere, like you say. But no. Isaiah, I think, is just filled with all kinds of stuff about the coming Christ. But where yeah, do you want so to Yeah, you're born of, a vir- yeah, born of a virgin and all those other things. That's from Isaiah. But we want to go to a, a, a passage that may be overlooked sometimes when we think about Advent, but chapter 64, Isaiah chapter 64, okay. and we be- can begin with verse 1. But before we do that, maybe it's uh, maybe it's helpful to have a little background. A little background. Sure, sure. Um, so as as Isaiah is writing, really kind of writing pr- prophetically here, and and you know, talking about the circumstances of the people, and maybe you know even Israel into the future. You know, looking especially anticipating writing about um, the people of Judah, uh, as we as some of our listeners may know, um, because of their unfaithfulness, uh, God and His His Righteous judgment allows them to be taken into exile. Um, they go to Babylon for a number of years. Uh, so they're in a, a foreign land. And then finally, uh, after a, a, a generation or more in exile, then they return back to the land of Judah. But they come back and, and they see that the temple's been trampled. Uh, Jerusalem lies in ruin. And so the people are... Um, uh, they're not happy, 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 John, like Seymour no. the Elf. <laughs> no. No, just the opposite. Uh, they see the reality of, yeah, the result of, of you know, their sin, ultimately, and and uh, all that's taking place. So that's where the people are at right now. You know, that's that's the, the situation in which Isaiah prophetically writes. So I think when we look then uh, at Isaiah 64, it helps us have that background, but I think it's also helpful to kind of keep our eyes out for a a movement in this text as we read Isaiah 64, almost like a, a change in um, heart of the people and almost a change in what their uh, request of God is as this is written uh, as sort of a community prayer, a community lament, you might say. So this is a, a like the, the whole people of Judah right, praying together, lamenting before the Lord, and their lament sort of changes, I think, throughout these just nine verses that we're going to read. And you know, perhaps we keep that in mind for our own lives, too, that the season of Advent is a, a time of contemplation, a time where we pray for certainly a change of heart. Uh, repentance is an element of, of Advent, for sure, as we wait Jesus' coming and prepare our hearts for that coming. So keep that in mind, the, the change in the, the lament of the people, and then perhaps also the maybe our change of, of lament before the Lord, too, in the season of Advent. And, and the thing I would add to that, Matt, is, is remembering that this is actually Isaiah who's doing the speaking. You're right. I think this is being written as a community prayer, you might say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's also the words 
of Isaiah himself, because I think the problem, especially we Lutherans have, is we know all about repentance, and we can give you all kinds of examples of people who need to do that. <laughs> yeah. But but probably when we talk repentance talk, we need to remember, well, actually the first person that needs to be doing that, in fact, the one that Luther exhorted that, that this person should do it every day, is you and me. We're yes. the ones that need to be doing the repentance. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and yeah, hold on to that, you know, as we yeah. read these verses because I th- I think that's that's part of the oh, change good. of heart that takes place in these verses. Exactly what you just said. All right, how far would you like me to read? Well, let's read verses 1 through 4. 1 through 4. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Yeah, thanks, John. So, What's the request of the people? Rend the heavens and come down, Lord. Um, tear the heavens apart. Come down. Uh, make yourself known. And then they even talk about um, fire and talking about uh, trembling at the Lord's presence. Um, they talk about the mountains quaking at God's presence. You know, it, I can't help but think of Mount Sinai, right? And and all that takes place when they're the foot of Mount Sinai right after the Exodus uh, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments and the, the, the smoke and the quaking and just the power of God being demonstrated. And, you know, as they request this of God and they want God to show his glory and to come down in a blaze of fire and glory, um, they want him to do this. Um, why? Uh, so who can see it? Um, they talk about how they want um, the nations to see it, right? So right, verse 2, right. John. Uh, to make your known to your adversaries that the nations might tremble in your presence. Um, kind and, of and, like, you know... And, and the nations always in the Old Testament are referring to the people that are non-Jews. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, the non-Jews. Um, exactly. And I think in this context, probably the, the Babylonians and others, yeah, you know, yeah, are in mind. You know, yeah. That the, they've the been Assyrians exiled too, by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the Assyrians that have destroyed the northern kingdom. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. So... I, I think it, it kind of plays into what you were saying earlier, John, that it seems as though the tenor in these opening verses is very much, come on down, show your power, show your glory, run the heavens, show everyone that you're on our side, <laughs> right? We're your people, we're your chosen people, show the nations your power, your glory. Um, do, do, do you think, Matt, that maybe uh, James and John had this passage in mind when they proposed that Jesus should send, you know, hellfire and brimstone down upon the Samaritans who would not uh, accept them? It is very similar language, isn't it, John? Yeah. You know, these, these, uh, yeah, yeah, James and John, especially these sons of thunder, and and very much, I think, the same the same tone, if, if whether they're thinking of this verse or not, um, Jesus, show them who's boss. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes. Quit, quit, you know, quit monkeying around with your your, your humility. Get out the glory. Um, show them who's boss. Um, show them that, that, you know, you're on our side. <laughs> and, and now uh, I'm thinking, do you think that was kind of on the mind of the, the people on Palm Sunday who were shouting, Hosanna, 
king of, you know, son of David, king of Israel, Hosanna, that that's what they were looking for too, that he would come in and, and just uh, show them his power. Yeah. yeah, very much, I think, you know, overthrow the Romans, be the earthly ruler, um, quit. <laughs> you know, I, I think just kind of, you know, this, you know, the disciples in particular, just this desire, you know, you know, Lord, is this is this when you're going to bring your kingdom? Is this when your kingdom's going to come? Oh, yeah, yeah. And just kind of just waiting for him to, you know, oh, stop fooling around with healing blind people and preaching. Let's, you know, do something big. <laughs> um, and that seems to be what, what uh, Isaiah and the, the people of Judah are crying out for here, too. Um, and I, you know, in some ways, you know, hey, if we were in their shoes, oh, maybe we would want we would want that too. You know, we've been we've been put into exile. Our temple's been trampled. Our city's been trampled. You know, Lord, do something about this. Show your glory. Show your might. Um, well, you know, well, I, I, and, and aren't we doing? Isn't that? I, I mean, yeah, isn't that kind of lying behind the fact that we're sick and tired of people saying, you know. Happy holidays. We want to be saying Merry Christmas. Come on, God, show them, show them what Christmas is really all about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so too. And I think it's it's kind of a community lament on our part, as you know, as, as the church. Sometimes we do cry out. Sometimes we get do get frustrated. You know, come on, show them, show them who's boss. You know, and yeah, yeah. And and sometimes when uh, you know people are calling evil good and good evil, you know, God, come down and show them what truly is good and what truly is evil. You know, set them straight, Lord. Set them straight. Um, and you know, I I think perhaps there's a a, a place for that <laughs> in some respects. You know, and you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord, you know, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. But um, the, the, the temptation is, is to ignore the fact that, boy, we're, <laughs> we're imperfect, right, John? That, that we, too, call good evil and evil good uh, in our words and in our actions. Well, and if, that, if God that... were to come down in his glory, you know, guns blazing, uh, we, we would be in trouble, <laughs> right, that, that... on our own. That say say what you want, but thank God I'm not like that sinner over there. <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thank God I'm not like Seymour the Elf, right? We <laughs> we know what Christmas is really all about. <laughs> That's and, right. Um, yeah, it, exactly. You know, and you think of that that whole account of the, you know, the the the, the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee, right? And that example yeah. of, yeah. you know, the self righteousness of the the Pharisee. Oh Lord, preserve us from that. Preserve us from that. Right. Um, so I, you have that feeling, it seems, among the, the people of Judah, but then it seems as though in the, the next few verses there's sort of a, a change of heart, or at least a change in their cry out to God. Um, so if you're ready, John, unless you have other more comments, uh, if you want to read verses 5 through 7. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you are angry, and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are, are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities." So boy, I mean, that really changes, doesn't it? That the mood and the voice of the the cry and this plural, uh, you know, we right, we've yeah. done this, we've yeah. done this. So, 
uh, they examine themselves, you know, behold, you're angry and we sin. In our sins, we've been a long time, right? Shall we be saved? And then, you know, this, the, the good works like a polluted garment. Uh, their iniquities like the wind take, take them away. Um, so they really, it, it's a cry of confession, finally. Uh, you know, never mind, you know, showing your, your power, your glory to those um, who've got it coming, right? Those, those evil people, but now the focus is on themselves. So the, the trouble, the problem isn't just out there in the world, but the problem is in their own hearts. And so they confess that in these verses in, in a very powerful way. Um, and, yeah, and, and the I two, think, the yeah, two, two things that strike me here, Matt, yeah. is, is first of all, so, so if you don't think you're a sinner, if you are one of those people that says, well, thank God I'm not like that sinner, sure. well, you're going to die. So apparently you're wrong because <laughs> yep. yep. the wages of sin is death, death, right? So we all have the testimony of our sinless because we all do fade away like a leaf. And I know you, you young people don't realize it, but wait till you get to be 70. I, I, every day I see it all around me. Things are starting to fail and, and they're not working the way they should. And I know it's not going to get better. I know how it's going to end up. The other thing, though, that strikes me is the fact that there is no one who calls upon your name. And this is Isaiah speaking. Yeah. So obviously Isaiah must have had times in his life when he really didn't feel he had, even though he was this chosen prophet of God. But there must have been times when he felt even he didn't have the righteousness and the faith that he should have. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even a big name in the Bible like Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> Still in need of confessing sin. Exactly. Uh, this change, this examination of his own heart, his own self. So I, again, as we think of ourselves then, and we think of the season of Advent, Advent is a time where we voice those very same things. Uh, we do it communally too. We do it with that, those plural words. Uh, for instance, when we say, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and we've sinned a thought, word, and deed, right? Um, but for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, lead us. You know, so as a community, we lament before God in those words of confession, uh, being honest about who we are, being honest that, well, yeah, we need to uh, rend our own hearts and, and confess before God our sin. Uh, not just the people out there, but the people in here in the church and, and the, this person speaking right here, you know, to confess the sin in my heart. So uh, Advent is a time to do that, and uh, we thank God for that opportunity as we anticipate Christmas. Um, and, so and, yeah, John, and, you want to read the... Yeah. Well, I just want real quick, so we did talk earlier about the fact that there always seems like there's, there's deaths at the time of the festivals of the church, yeah. and maybe that's the point. Maybe that's God reminding us that, no, we're all coming into this, this Christmas uh, season as sinners. That's what we are. Uh, and and it really will, it won't mean anything to us unless we realize that. But if we if we realize that, then yeah, we're going to find out the beautiful truths that are in these closing verses. Yes. Uh, how far down do I read, Matt? Yeah, verses uh, eight and nine. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father; we are the clay, and you are our Potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O oh Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Yeah, <laughs> they're beautiful. So, yeah, words of, of gospel and uh, this cry then turns from, you know, you see this progression from you know, calling out God's judgment on the the peoples, the the bad people, and then a confession of own sin. But now, in the very end, we have this this recognition of who God is and who we are, and who God is is our Father. 
And we think of our baptism, right? Made his dear children by, by water and the word. Um, he won't remember our iniquity forever, as the verse says. Um, we have that confidence. But then also, he is the, the potter and we are the clay. So he is the, the one who's created us. He's the one who's molded us, formed us just the way he wants to. Um, and there's comfort in that, too. That we have a loving creator that gave us the whatever skin color we have, whatever gender, sex we are, uh, whatever gifts and abilities we have. Um, those are all—he formed us just the way he wanted to. So really, words of assurance uh, that, that remind us of who God is and who we are. And uh, in the end, that's, that's what matters. You know, what, what strikes me, too, I, I, I'm, boy, I'm glad you did this passage, because, you know, the, in, in the Jewish uh, uh, worship, uh, God is not often referred to as Father. And, and now I'm realizing this is where Jesus gets this when he says, pray our Father art in heaven. He, I, I had never realized before, he's thinking of this passage in Isaiah 64 when he teaches us how to pray that way. Because that was not the normal way to pray if you were a Jew. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but Jesus mm-hmm. says, yeah, that's, that's, and so that's all in this context, the fact that whenever we pray, we pray because we know we are sinners and that there is iniquity and no one is, what did it say, has, has uh, called upon his name. But here we are, we are called upon his name. Because we have remembered that we are his children. Uh, yeah. And we are the clay. He is the potter. Exactly. There's hope for us, you know, even yeah, in our yeah. sin, uh, because he's our father. And we call upon him as, as dear children call upon their dear father. Oh, and, now, now you got me thinking about the prodigal son. It's the same thing for him, isn't it? It's it, the, the only thing, the change happens when he realizes, oh my God, he's my father loves me and how much stuff I could have. And I, I don't even need to be a son. And I'd still have stuff. But, of yeah. course, no, that's not how it is with the Father. You are a son, and he's always going to treat you like a son, no matter what. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, good connection. The, the only other thing I did w- would add, John, is it's this chapter starts with the people calling out to God to rend the heavens and come down, right, and glory and you know, it's kind of like, well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> you know, if you know, uh, if if you want God to come down and just uh, uh, prove Himself to the sinners, well, guess what? You're one of those sinners. Uh, yeah. But knowing that God is our our Father who loves us, uh, we realize, yeah, on Christmas, God did rend the heavens. He did come down. Now it didn't look like a blaze of glory at the time. It was, you know, in the stillness of night when uh, a little baby was born. Uh, who coming from heaven himself, the Son of God. And then the angels, of course, in the heavens, as they proclaim that, uh, this is the Savior and glory to God in the highest. Uh, God does rend the heavens, but but he doesn't tear them apart and do it in exactly the way that I think the people in Isaiah 64 uh, anticipated. He does it in a far, far greater way, in a way of humility, in a way of grace, in a way that demonstrates his love and, and ultimately makes our forgiveness possible. And you think about it, if you're a sinner, that's the way you want the heavens rent, not not in wrath and anger like the, the judgment scene that we had last week, but with that love and that forgiveness. Final yes. thought, Matt? Yeah, and then at Good Friday, something will be rented again, the, the temple curtain torn in two from top to bottom. You know, that separation taken away between us and God, all because of, again, Christ our Savior, born for us that first Christmas. This has been Wrestling with the Basics.